The Water Cooler is a live storytelling event performed monthly at Bats Theatre in Wellington. This month's theme was I Know What You Did Last Summer. A small reminder that the stories were recorded live, so the language and themes may not be for everyone. Our storyteller, Marva, was born in Nelson, where she spent most of her childhood. She narrowly missed out on fame after her older brother nabbed the title of first Persian ever to be born in Nelson. They had a pet goat called Chubba Chub. Marva now lives in Wellington. She recently finished a master's degree and works as a journalist for The Wireless. This is Marva's story. So, everyone give it up for Marva. So... I grew up with parents who taught me, even before I could talk, about the strength of women. They hold this firm belief that the equality of, hum- of men and women is like essential for humanity's progress, and that if women aren't equal to men, it not only stumps their advancement, but it stumps the advancement of everyone. So you can imagine me growing up with this incredibly heartwarming sentiment that I felt pretty strong. And it wasn't like a, oh, I'm a woman and you're a guy, so I'm better than you. It was more like a, you know, I can handle any situation because I'm a lady kind kind of way. But one summer, that was all shattered. So my parents moved overseas and when I was at university. So what I would do is every summer I'd go and see them. And I'd usually, I'd usually be able to kind of scrounge together enough money to go and see a few other places on the way. So a couple of years ago, I ended up in Macedonia. You may be asking, why would you go to Macedonia? And the gist of my decision-making process was like, I really want to go to Turkey. Yeah, I'm going to go to Turkey. Where do I go after Turkey? Okay, I'll just search cheapest flight out of Turkey. Macedonia. That must be where macadamia nuts are from. Perfect. I'll go to Macedonia. So I booked my uh, flights pretty quickly and then found out that Macedonia is not where macadamia nuts come from. They come from Australia. (laughs) So I should have gone to Australia. So I arrived in Skopje, which is the capital of Macedonia, and it was in the middle of the winter. And I get off the plane and I think to myself, oh, who the hell goes to Macedonia? Turns out, like, nobody. I was the only person in the hostel um, when I arrived. And I spent the evening chatting to a really lovely hostel owner. She was a sweetheart. And I went to bed that night alone in this hostel with, you know, like, 15 bunk beds, just me, with no idea of the ridiculousness that was about to follow. So just for a tiny bit of context, the Republic of Macedonia, which is what it's formerly known as, is a landlocked country in the Balkans and um, southeast Europe. And it was once part of former Yugoslavia. And without going into too much detail, Macedonia is sort of marked with conflict and it has been fighting for its independence forever. It's also incredibly poor. It has um, like the lowest per capita GDP in the whole of Europe. So with none of this information, I get up in the morning and head head into Macedonia. And it's a quaint little city. Like, it's got those cobbled stone pavement, like, paveways, roads and things, and lots of statues of Alexander the Great. Like, they love that guy so much. (laughs) And I walk over this bridge, and it's a beautiful bridge, and I look to my side, and I see this group of men playing the cup game. And we all know the cup game. It's that one where you get a marble and you put it under a cup and then you shuffle the cups around and then you have to guess which 
cut the marbles under, you know the one? And like, I'm not an idiot. Like I know it's not, you can't win, that the guy's obviously doing some kind of cool trick and so you're never gonna win. But I stopped and watched anyway. I stopped and watched this group of men betting on this cup game. So it turns out that that was a massive mistake because any actual Macedonian would never stop and watch. So by standing there and viewing it, I was inadvertently telling everyone that I was an idiot tourist. <laughs> so about five or six of those men come over to me and they kind of invite me to, to join in the game and they usher me over to the guy who's doing the cups. And this guy is good, like he's been doing this cup shifting for a really long time. And my reaction was really sensible. I was like, no, no, I don't gamble. And no, I don't want to play. Like, no, thank, thank you. <laughs> but, they just, but they just kept saying, just choose, just choose, in really limited Eng English and keep pointing to the cups. And as they were saying this, they created a human man circle around me. <laughs> so now I'm standing on this bridge in Macedonia with a guy switching cups with a circle of Macedonian men surrounding me. And I, you know, I knew I'm not going to win the frickin' cup game, and so I start to panic. And then one of the, the men says, points and says, oh, you won, which is really confusing because I hadn't even pointed at a cup yet. And they hand me this wad of cash, and I was like, oh my God, I don't, I don't want this money. I don't want to, what do I do? So I took out my wallet and I guess I was thinking, I'll put the money in my wallet and go and just like, like, just, like, woo, I won, yay. And I kid you not, like, the guy, one guy said to me, whoa, what's over there? And I looked. <laughs> And I looked back, and honestly, in that second that I looked and looked back, the cup guy was gone, all his friends were gone, the marbles were gone, all the money in my wallet was gone, and even the money that I had supposedly won was gone. And they were nowhere to be seen, like absolutely nowhere. And my initial reaction was like, fuck, that's impressive. Like, <laughs> I was like, I suddenly realised as well that every single man had been in on that scam. No one was actually betting. They were just there trying to lure someone in. But then it began to sink in that I was a really poor student and that money, that two or three hundred euros, was fundamental to my eating and sleeping for the next few weeks. So I was furious and I stormed around the bridge looking for this men. And seeing it was a bridge, I was like, well, they must have jumped off the bridge. Like, there's no way any like, those amount of human beings can disappear in a second. So thinking back now, I'm like, oh, they kind of deserve the money. Like, just the slickness of that operation. <laughs> Maybe that, that's like, it's worth paying for it. But in the heat of the moment, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking, like, give my mother effing money back. So I did what any reasonable human being would do, and I went hunting them down. <laughs> so you have to imagine for a moment, it's me, ugly crying, walking through Macedonia, <laughs> And I'm mumbling under my breath, like, where the hell are they? Like, between sobs. And so I spot this group of guys who are huddled behind a warehouse, sort of smoking. And I have absolutely no idea if this is the, these are the cup gang who are taking my money. <laughs> but I stand there and I go, hey, give me my money back. <laughs> and they start running. They just run. It's, and so I do what any normal human being would do, and I chase after them. <laughs> so I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with parkour, but 
that, <laughs> that is what was happening. Like I was jumping over fences, like rolling down hills, doing badass side steps between cars, trying to catch these grown men who were running away from me. And like, what the hell was I gonna do if I caught up to them? Like, oh, yeah, give it back. And I, like, I don't know, but I didn't catch them. They ran through a highway and I hesitated because I'm not badass enough apparently. And they got away. So I was stuck now, I was in the old part of Macedonia, the old city, I was completely lost. I had no money, I had no pride. So my angry crying just turned into like straight sad, ugly crying. And I just wandered the streets of Macedonia until this really kind Turkish man took me into a store and he gave me some Turkish coffee and called the police. It was a big mistake, <laughs> big mistake. I should have just let it go at that point. But evidenced by my like hunting and chasing, I'm not someone who like lets things go like really easily. So the police spoke up, sorry, the police showed up and they spoke really, really limited English. But they basically convinced me to get into the car with them and they'd drive me to the police station. And this car is so cramped, I can feel the guy's gun like pushing up against my thigh and I really hope it was his gun. And then they clearly felt sorry for me. And kind of in this really broken English, they, were, they offered to later on escort me through the city, you know, give me like a guided tour. And I was like, yeah, like what's... What's more, better than a guided tour of a city with police? No cup gang's going to mess with me then. So, and I thought, you know, if I can't trust the police, who else can I trust? So, <laughs> so they took me to the police station, dropped me off, and I spent hours in there. And it was hours of explaining my story about ten times to different levels of management and every single one of them would just crack up and be like, you took out your wallet? Like, you're an idiot. So it was like mid-afternoon and I was like, guys, like, I'm over it. At least I'm just going to go. No one's going to find my money. And they go, oh, no, you can't go. And I was like, why not? They're like, we've got the top investiga investigator of Macedonia on your case. They had literally called the Macedonian FBI <laughs> to solve my case. And I, I, in hindsight, I think they were showing up, sorry, showing off because I was like, you know, a foreigner and no one visits Macedonia. So, <laughs> so for real, a man showed up in a full length trench coat. <laughs> he offered me a banana. <laughs> and he took me to his office where he made me scroll through folders and folders of like perps, pictures and was like, point out the guys, point out the guys that did it. And I'm like, I don't remember what they look like. So I like spend a little bit of time like going through these folders and I'm like, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm in this country for two days, nothing's going to happen. So I'm like, maybe this guy, like, maybe that guy, I don't know, I don't know. What would you guys have done? Like, I was like, <laughs> judging me, it was a tough situation. <laughs> so anyway... He took me back to my hostel and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's the end of my day. Thank gosh, that was terrible. Five minutes into explaining to the hostel owner what was going on and there's a knock at the door. We opened the door and I don't remember if you guys remember me telling you, but the police had offered to give me an escorted tour around the city. Yeah, turns out it was just one of the police officers off duty. He was there to take me on a date. <laughs> And he had this look on his face that was kind of like, hey, baby, I'm going to show you Macedonia real good. 
And I, like, I didn't know what to do, so I just went with him. <laughs> and he took me out for pizza, and he, the only words he could say in English was, it's okay, I am police. I am. <laughs> That's all he could say. Anyway, I was desperate to leave and get out of this situation, and despite my police to be taken home, this weird off-duty policeman took me to the top of this freezing cold mountain called, called Mount Vodno. So, and he tried to romantically hug me, you know, like, he did this, oh, cold. Oh. <laughs> so, in that situation, in my mind, I had two options. I could, like, karate chop, F off kind of, you know, or I could, but that was the risk of being abandoned at the top of this mountain and freezing to death. Or I could just play it real cool. So I chose the latter and I was like, oh, I'm not even cold. It was minus four degrees. I'm not even cold. No, I don't need a hug. I'm all good. And ran to the car, eventually convincing him to take me back to the hostel and declining his offer to come in and give me a massage. So, <laughs> so back inside of the hostel, I get in, I close the door, and I'm like, oh my God, make this stop. And the hostel owner looks at me and she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. The FBI guys came back, they've caught a whole bunch of guys, and they want you to go down to the police station and identify them. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? So, so it's about midnight at this point, and I go down to the police station where every single police officer in Macedonia has like congregated for this moment. And they tell me to hold my nose and they take me down to the cell where they have these like five or six poor men who like have been waiting in the stinky cell. Like who, who knows how long they'd been there while I was trying to avoid the, avoid the embrace of an inappropriate like officer of the law on a mountain. <laughs> so through one way glass, these men held up numbers one to six and stood in a line. And I was meant to point out the one that had like done it. And I just couldn't. Like, I just couldn't. I was like, I can't potentially send an innocent man to jail and I'm getting a general gist of the police said that they're kind of assholes. So I, they probably, you know, I just couldn't do it. So I was like, I'm sorry, it's like none of these guys. And the police got really pissed, but they were basically like, fine, it's fine, we'll go out and we'll catch them more as if it was some kind of like fishing expedition <laughs> or something. It was really bizarre. So... They took me back to the hostel and I was just grateful the night was over and I got in and my hostel owner looked at me and her face was pale like the snow on top of Mount Vodnor. <laughs> and she was like, while you were gone, that off-duty police officer came back and he tried to book a room here. And I was like, fuck. So, and it was just us two. We locked all the doors and we spent the whole night like scared for our lives, remembering that like we're in Eastern Europe and police like rule. They can do whatever the hell they want. It was a terrible night of like dread and fear and not knowing if the cup gang was going to come after me, <laughs> like the police, if the FBI were going to show up with more bananas. I just had no idea <laughs> what was going to happen. I got to the, got to the morning and I just caught a bus to Bulgaria the next day. <laughs> so, you know, I had arrived in Macedonia with this belief that women are powerful, just as powerful in men, but in fact, I left and I learnt that most of the world were not, and I learnt that, you know, the people that I'm meant to be able to trust, I can't really. And while I still firmly believe in the importance of equality between men and women, 
that summer in Macedonia, which was their winter, I learned that there's a whole lot more work that we need to do in this world so that there isn't that level of inequality and powerlessness for women. And I lost some of my sort of wide-eyed naivety, and I lost a whole bunch of euros. So. <laughs> if you've got a great story to tell or would like to hear previous episodes, you can visit us at thewatercooler.co.nz. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. This episode is produced by Alice Brine, that's me, and also hosted by stand-up comedian Alice Brine, who is also me. So make sure you get to the live show and come and see the magic happen. This show would not be possible without our founder and director, Sarah Finnegan-Walsh. Special thanks to Radio New Zealand and The Wireless for their continued support. This podcast was brought to you by New Zealand On Air. Join us next month for more stories from The Water Cooler.